Federal consultations have shown that there's been a 20 to 30% increase in domestic violence in certain regions of Canada during the COVID-19 pandemic. Miriam Monsef, who is the Minister for Women and Gender Equality, reports, she says, what the pandemic has done with self-isolation measures, with the closure of some of the support systems, is create a powder keg. And she also tells us that in some places, particularly a shelter in the GTA, calls for help have gone up by 400%. 400%. And that was April 27th. Uh, when she reported this. And no doubt this has been a challenge for many ever since. Uh, Being cut off from a broader network of social supports, being isolated at home, we're spending more time together, has uh, had challenging effects on our relationships. And whether you experience it to the extent of it being domestic violence or or sexual violence or emotional violence or, or whether it's the ongoing just chafing against one another, there's no question that we have been having a harder time uh, getting along with each other, caring for one another well. And before I proceed, just let me say that if you are experiencing domestic violence, we ask that you would reach out for help. We want to be a community that's helpful and supportive, and and we want you to be safe. And so as we consider that more um, extreme experience of, of division within our homes, we also recognize that it happens on a spectrum, and all of us experience this. We struggle to live in harmony with one another. And the truth is that harm and selfishness run rampant in our homes and in our relationships. And today's text actually points to a better way. And so I invite you on to this journey. We're continuing through the book of Ephesians. So I'm going to give you a moment now to read our text. It's Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 33. So you can go on, pause the video, look it up on your on your phone, if you've got a Bible in hand or just Google it, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 33. So pause it, give you a moment to, to read that before we proceed. Okay, so we're considering this idea of what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit and how does it work its way out in our relationships? I'm going to ask you the question, why do people get drunk? Why do people abuse alcohol? I think that I, we could... We could exhaust all of the reasons why, but I think if you boil it down, it really comes down to a need to find comfort and a need to find courage. That's why it's often called liquid courage. Now, what does the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit gives us comfort and courage. And and so rather than seeking these things out in destructive ways, in ways that harm ourselves and harm others, Why not welcome God into our lives to restore us? Holy Spirit, the presence of God within us to give us that comfort and that courage that we need when there's there's pain, when there's stress, when there's fear. And so it's with this in mind that the Apostle writes in chapter, chapter 5, verse 15, he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. So what's God's will? What does God want for us? Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which means indulgence and sensual pleasures, chasing after what feels good. So don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. All of the things that you might go to alcohol or any other substance 
to fill a void in your life. It's the Holy Spirit that can meet that need and give you life and joy in a sustaining, uh, life-giving way rather than a destructive way. So when the Holy Spirit was within us, we find that comfort and courage that we might be looking for. If you place your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within you. And now we're invited to be filled with the Spirit. So the Spirit can be within us, but we can kind of push it away and and we can be emptied of of the presence or not experiencing the Holy Spirit as fully as we could. And so there's this invitation to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you make space for God? How do you listen for God's voice? The Holy Spirit is the source for our living well. It will enable you. He will enable you to do what God is calling you to When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it begins working itself out in our relationships. And that's why Paul jumps next to a long section in which he describes how being filled with the Holy Spirit affects our relationships. And he starts out uh, with with marriage. We're going to get to other relationships next week. But it starts out with this idea. Chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. This involves a shift. So often, like our, our natural incl- inclinations are to look out for number one. Am I doing okay? What am I getting out of this experience? How will this be fun for me? And when we experience this shift and start submitting ourselves to one another, we begin living for the good of those around us. It's an outward focus that deeply desires the growth and the health and the maturity of the people around us. Living in submission to others in all of our relationships is what this text calls us to. And and life is beautiful when we're leaning into each other, asking how we can serve and build up those around us. Is, Is that not a picture of the good life when everybody is seeking to build one another up? This is the call to live in submission to others. 521, live, submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, then Paul proceeds to talk about it specifically in the context of marriage. We're going to be focusing on marriage today. Now, whether you're married or not, maybe that's at some point in the future, or maybe God is calling you to a path of singleness. Uh, These principles work themselves out also in friendships, in sibling relationships. Uh, So I I want you, whether you're married or not, whether that's a part of your story or not, uh, I think that these, these principles also translate to you wherever you are at. Mutual submission within marriage. When Brittany and I were married back in 2007, we we set our vows to one another and we intentionally put the language of this chapter into our vows. And I I said, you know, Brittany, I will love you. I vowed this. I pledged it to her. I will love you as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And Brittany, in her vow, she said, I will submit to you using the language of this text. I will submit to you and I will respect you. We wanted to be biblical and and that that was wonderful. But I, I, I think that in the way that we expressed it, we had such a focus on these particular workings that we missed the bigger picture of mutual submission. As, as our marriage proceeded, we uh, began to discover that, that actually what we were experiencing looked a lot more like mutual submission rather than me leading and her submitting to me, honoring, loving each other, but me leading and her submitting. It, it actually didn't work out that way. We discovered that there were some areas where Brittany uh, had the most wisdom, the most experience that she was better at, that she led and I followed along. 
And we also discover that there are areas that I'm better at, that I, I know more fully and, and is just a part of my, my wheelhouse per se. And, and she would follow along. And so we discovered it depended on, this, on the situation. And we were actually living out mutual submission. And then as I grew and discovered more about how to read the ancient context of, of Scripture and what Paul was speaking into, and, and my, my mind was drawn up to this at the start. It says, submit yourselves to one another. And so even as Paul calls us to this submission, calls us to love and respect, it really is within this framework of uh, submitting to one another. And and I'm going to share a bit more that might make that more clear. We have to look at the ancient context of what Paul was speaking into. In the ancient Roman Empire, the book of Ephesians, this letter Paul wrote, was in the ancient Roman Empire. In that time, women were basically treated as property. They were definitely considered as inferior to men. As sad as that is to hear and, and to consider it, it really was a, a reality for them. And, and Douglas J. Moo, re- reflecting on kind of the whole historical story at that time, he says, in most places of the Roman Empire, if girls were to live at birth, so even if they were allowed to live, even if, if they carried through with the pregnancy, which is just so sad to consider, even if they were allowed to live at birth, women were minimally educated. They could not be witnesses in a court of law. They could not adopt children or make a contract. They could not own property or inherit. And they were viewed as, both Aristotle and Josephus said, they were viewed in all aspects as inferior to men. But then Jesus' followers showed up and they started changing this situation. They started living out ways that were radical, that were elevating women. They told stories about women being the first ones to declare the the legal testimony that Jesus had been risen from the dead. We have examples of women like Priscilla who were teaching in the churches. We've got 1 Corinthians 7.14. Paul says that the woman has authority over the body of her husband in the same way the the husband has authority over his wife's body. There's this mutualness which was just like flabbergasting to the people that a woman would have authority over her husband's body. And then people were noticing that these these Jesus followers, men and women, were sitting equally side by side around the Lord's table, sharing in meals together. And this this was seen as, as creating social upheaval, as upsetting the way in which society functioned. And so Paul's giving them direction in this as, as women were g- growing in courage and there was this impulse maybe to, to begin kind of stepping out from partnership or stepping out and aside from, from their husbands and, and doing their own thing. Paul's saying, hold on, you need to submit to your husbands. And as, as there was this tendency for, for men to kind of push back and resist the elevation of women and get bitter toward it, Paul's saying, hold on, you need to love your wife. You need to honor her. You need to lay your life down for her. And, and so as, as they're elevating the status of women, Paul's just putting it in this context of saying, this is what for the people of God, this is what mutual submission looks like. And, and so with this in mind, he says, verse 22, he says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Even as we're elevating you, you still need to live side by side, honoring, submitting to your husbands. And then to the husbands, within this context of submitting to one another, he says, you've got to love your wife. Verse 33, he says, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her, hus- her husband. Extending love and respect to one another is the path to beautiful, harmonious relationships. Extending love and respect to each other within mutual submission is the path of loving and harmonious relationships. Now, a caveat. The call to submission in marriage has often been used as a weapon over women 
uh, over the centuries, at times against men, but predominantly against women, saying, husbands saying, you need to submit to me. And it's been used as a cover for abusive relationships. This is a sad, sad truth that this has taken place. And, and many of you will have stories where you've experienced it, where you've observed it. And we need to speak against that. Women, and I say this to men and women, but, but it does affect women more. You need to know that your physical, emotional, uh, sexual, spiritual, your safety is the top priority. And so if you're in a situation in which you are being harmed, if you're in a situation in which violence is being done against you, we ask that you would get out of that situation, that you would find safety, that you would reach out for support. We want to be here whether it's us as a church or, or others you trust and respect, reach out, get out of that situation. You do not need to be there in danger under the guise of a need to submit. So I want you to hear that loud and clear. You need to be safe. But then for those of us who are in safe relationships, there is this call then to be leaning in toward one another, to be learning to submit to each other. And of course, who is our model in this? It's Jesus. We've been learning in Ephesians, Paul keeps looking back at Jesus and saying, I'm calling you to this, but now look at Jesus. Look at what he's done. Look at how he lived this out. And again, we look at Jesus. Who lived this perfectly? Jesus. In verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus did this perfectly. As our creator, he had every reason to just live for his own honor, his own glory, his own comfort. He could have just chilled out in the heavens and, and uh, done things that made him uh, happy or, or easy or, or met his own pleasures. But he said, I love you as my creatures. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to submit my desires to you and to your good. And that's what he did when he went to the cross to forgive us, to make us pure and to make us holy. And that's what God is calling us to with those around us, that same life of self-sacrifice. And so Jesus is our model. Now, maybe that feels super overwhelming to you. I don't know. It, uh, it feels a little bit overwhelming to me. Uh, but that's where we invite the Holy Spirit into us. Earlier, remember I said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the comfort, that gives us the courage, that gives us the power that we need to grow into this, how we lean toward each other, submitting ourselves to one another. And so we receive this call. Ephesians 5, 21, it says, Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting ourselves to each other really is the harmonious path, the path to harmonious relationships. And so first, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Create space to listen to God. Uh, if, if we aren't having the Spirit of God at work within us, developing us, this within us, we're going to get frustrated. We're going to get tired. We're going to get worn out. We cannot do this on our own. We need God. So create space for God in your life. Listen. And, and you know what? Make it a daily prayer. I've been trying to make this a daily prayer of just simply saying, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and to fill me today. Make that a daily prayer. Ask God to do this in you. And then the second piece I invite you to ask God to reveal to you how He wants you to live in submission to others this week. 
Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be beautiful if we all just went around asking this question, how can I serve others and lift them up rather than myself? Now, of course, we got to do self-care. Of course, you can't, you're going to burn yourself out if you're just going around serving everybody. But it's always toward this end of how can I strengthen myself and nurture myself and experience God so that God can use me as a blessing to others. So don't take this as a recipe just to go crazy and, and burn out. But what if we had this disposition of always asking God, God, how do you want to use me? How can I be submitting myself to others? So if you're married... How can you lay down your life for your spouse this week? In a friendship. With a sibling. In your church. There's a whole lot of submitting ourselves to one another during this time of anxiety and chaos. And how do we go about reopening the church and all that. A whole lot of it. And uh, I'm having to kind of lay down some of my own personal preferences. You're having to lay down some of your own personal preferences. You know, when we talk through this as a leadership team, we're not all on the same page in terms of how cautious we need to be or ought not to be. But anyway, that's, that's an obvious uh, practical one that I'm going to keep sort of putting out there. How do we submit to each other during this time? But how do you submit to one another in your friendships, in your marriages? So I was thinking through like, how, how's God asking me to live this out? And uh, so I'm just going to share with you for a moment. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard making these confessions. You all see it. Brittany's going to see this, so she knows. And uh, you're all going to see it, so you can hold my feet to the fire. But I was just asking God this morning, like, what's one way? And, and God said, you know what? So this weekend, we're going away for a camping, family camping weekend. And God was saying, okay, you're going camping. I want you to set aside time in which you uh, deliberately, intentionally are looking after the kids. One of the things with uh, moms and dads, this is a generalization, but they have a tendency, Brittany will say, they always go to her when they need something or when they're fighting or when they're hungry or whatever. And I'm just sitting there chilling out and they're always going to her. They'll walk right past me, walk 50 feet to go to Brittany. And uh, so anyway, it's going to be a, a meaningful time for Brittany to be able to connect with, uh, with her family members. And so I'm going to take some deliberate time in which I tell her and I tell the kids, you know what, anything's going down right now with the kids. Like I'm, I'm the guy. Don't go to mom, give her some, some peace and some space. I'll be honest, if I was going to serve my own desires, I'd rather just peace out and have a good conversation with, with someone else or maybe uh, check out and read a book or even, even have a nap this weekend. But uh, that's one way that I feel that God is calling me to lay down my life for my wife this weekend. So I'm, I close with that question. How is God inviting you to lay down your life for your spouse or for others this week? Because life is most beautiful when we are all leaning in toward each other, asking how we can build each other up. Life is most beautiful when we're leaning in toward each other, asking how we can build each other up. Mm-hmm.